A very long time ago, there lived in the castle of St. Donat in South Wales a Norman noblewoman, remembered now only as Matilda. She was well-liked and beautiful, and took part in many of the most popular sports at the time. She was a keen falconer, hunted rabbits, and even took down deer with a bow. Her absolute favourite pastime was coursing, or hunting with dogs by speed and sight rather than scent. The excitement and athleticism thrilled her, and she would put aside all else in order to go coursing. Even her husband could not dissuade her from spending all of her time out on her horses. When he attempted to do so, Matilda would sneak out to hunt with her handmaids. She became ever more contrary and cunning, until eventually the local peasantry came to believe that her parentage included at least one of the Tilwith Teg, or Welsh Fay. Eventually, Matilda's husband locked her in her room, attempting to exert some control over his wife. She was furious, lashing out both verbally and physically while her husband attempted to calm her. The argument culminated in a final scream heard throughout the castle. If there is no hunting in heaven, I would rather not go. Matilda never made it to heaven. Upon her death, her adamance about avoiding any afterlife in which she could not hunt bound her to our world, where she found the only hunt that could accept her. Now known as Marthe Inoz, or the Night Matilda, she acts as the huntsman of Anun. She hunts for all eternity, leading the white hounds of King Aron to capture the souls of those fated to die between Christmas and Twelfth Night. scary monsters that haunt Britain are typically associated with dark and scary colours, but it's important to remember that what we consider scary today might not be the same as what people feared in centuries past. So a good example of this is the Kun Anun, or Welsh Hellhound, for people that don't speak Welsh, like me. And me. So what, what do you reckon people way back when would have considered truly scary colours? Right. So, judging by, if we're going by that it's not the same as now, so I'm guessing not red or black, which are the ones I would have guessed. Okay. Um, uh, unusual colour would have been purple. Well, when it's not purple we're going with. How about white? Ah. Uh, okay, not what I would have guessed. So white was asso- associated with the moon, mm-hmm. which meant that it was linked to the supernatural. Right. And then you did guess red, so good on you. Um, so red was associated with blood so it was life and death and strong emotions and as such the Kunanun which were dogs with pure white coats and blood red ears were incredibly intimidating sure they sounded and the Kunanun were the hunting hounds of the Welsh afterlife they could run on the wind or even through the stars in search of their quarry which meant that you could hear them even if you couldn't see them, and their baying was heard across the countryside. Right. Now, the legends have sort of evolved as time went on, and the early stories don't necessarily 
bear that much re- resemblance to the later stories. They're still the hunt, the hunting hounds of uh, Anun, but what they're hunting sort of changes. Okay. So the earliest legends suggested that the Kunanun hunted fairies or spirits that had left the other world, but more modern stories after the advent of Christianity suggest that they were hunting down damned souls. So, either way, would would it, that suggest that they're sort of on our side, as it were? Are they, they protecting us from these spirits and damned souls? Now, the question is, do the damned souls know that they're damned? Ah, I suppose not. No, not necessarily. And in some of the stories, it says they hunt anyone that's fated to die between Christmas and Twelfth Night. Ah, well, that's not good. Because you don't necessarily know when you're fated to die. No. It's also important to remember that um, Anun, or the Welsh afterlife, wasn't... The spirits that lived there weren't necessarily evil. Mm -hmm. So the fairies that left the other world weren't necessarily bad people, for want of a better word, Mm -hmm. but they still got hunted. Right. And so, you're already uh, dead if you're a a soul, right? No, no. No. uh, Damned, you have a soul. Um, Oh, I see. So, you're you're being hunted, and then you're going to be killed. Well, yes, or at least taken to the afterlife, which I think is the same thing. There is damned. (laughs) Um, right, okay. So the Kunanun uh, are led on their magical hunt, which is an idea we're definitely going to see again. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard of the wild hunt, but this is one interpretation of that idea. Right. Um, and they're led throughout Wales by two mythical figures. The Knight Matilda, or... Go on. Oh, oh, uh, Nacht il Nos. Close enough. I think. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> I didn't have it in front of me. I was really off guard. And King Aron, and they hunted on certain days closely linked to the spirits. And once again, these are later legends. So the idea of Samhain uh, and the certain days of saints, they would come out and hunt. Mm-hmm. So while Mach Inos, I think, means the black or night Matilda, it's also worth mm-hmm. no- noting that. Macht is the first syllable of the Welsh word for blight. Oh, okay. So that's just a little yeah. uh, linguistic interesting thing. <laughs> and in the story do you th- uh, of the Night Matilda, mm. do you think that she's happy with where she ended up or not? Um, it sounds to me like she's happy because she gets to hunt forever, which is what she's all about. So... That makes sense, but not everyone is sure that that will be the case. Right. Because obviously, knowing that there's a heaven and not going there isn't great. Sure. And she is trapped for all eternity hunting uh, the the souls uh, so it's so- that she's... It's almost like a sort of ironic punishment. Well, we don't know. Mm. Everyone knows that she's uh, screaming as she hunts. Okay. But no one knows whether those are laughs and screams of joy, or whether it's wailing and crying. Right. Yes. <laughs> so is there? There's a. Um, 
there's a split in the uh in the community about whether or not she's she's having a a good time yeah mm. and I, I think it changes the telling of the story an awful lot yeah it's either the story of a strong and independent woman who manages to beat the supernatural to get what she always wanted right or it's a woman who was who was punished for asserting her disobeying right and and learning the hubris of of that and that changes the the tone of the tale quite substantially quite significantly yeah and while matilda of the night i'm going to avoid saying that word as much as i can Uh She leads the hounds, but the hunt itself is led by Aron, the king of Anun. Right. How much do you know about the Welsh afterlife? I can't say I know a great deal about it. Well, I'm going to learn you something now. Please do. So, Anun probably comes from a Celtic root word, literally meaning underworld. Mm-hmm. But its location isn't entirely agreed on. So I don't know if you've heard of the Mabinogi, which is pretty much the earliest written prose found in Britain. Wow, no, I've, I've, I've not heard of that, which is, which is odd, because that sounds quite significant. So there's three branches of the Mabinogi, which are these ancient Welsh stories. They're almost the equivalent of the Norse Eddas. Right. But then Welsh, obviously. Yeah. So the first branch of the Mabinogi... That's probably not pronounced right, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> Suggests that Anun is in, or possibly under, the kingdom of Difed. Now, Difed is a kingdom in southwest Wales that covers Pembrokeshire and Carmarthenshire. So, just to clarify, the afterlife, yeah. or where this king resides, yes, is underneath a kingdom. In Wales, well, it might just be in the kingdom, right? Not even, not even under it. No, the, yeah, it, it's just sort of there, maybe, which is very funny to me. <laughs> um, I, I, I really like an afterlife that you could walk to, but you yeah. decide not to. <laughs> it, it, it reminds me of Mount Olympus. Right. Yeah, I was actually I was thinking the same thing. Which is an eminently climbable mountain. Sure. It's a walk rather than a climb, but people just figured they wouldn't, I guess. Mm. Um, but I can understand why because visiting the afterlife was very risky. Yeah. For a start, it was full of fairies and spirits and monsters. Um, and secondly, you wouldn't necessarily know if you could leave right so Anun follows a lot of the same laws as other afterlives in that if you ate or drank anything from uh, Anun you would not be able to leave ah okay which seems is that a likely um, outcome I suppose if you're staying for a long time also, I I don't know how well-defined the borders were. Sure, yeah, okay. It's, it seems like a stress that you go for a snack and you think you're outside, but it turns out... <laughs> oops. And now you're stuck. Yeah. So, 
there, there's other stories, particularly Arthurian legends, which are a little bit later, that paint Annun as an island off the coast of Wales. Right. Which is more reasonable, perhaps. It also suggests that um, Annun might be Ireland? Yeah. I was going to guess, I mean, this isn't quite off the coast of, of Wales, but sort of the Isles of Scilly. Yeah. Um, which I think have sort of afterlife connotations, just because they're the fir- sort of furthest point, aren't they? Yeah, I, I don't know. Mm. I really don't know where that's going. Mm. Mm-hmm. So wherever Anun is, its leadership is quite well defined. Okay. And the, the king of Anun is a guy called Aron. And he is the master of all souls within the afterlife. And as such, he was pretty serious about acquiring more souls for his kingdom. Sure, that makes sense. And you, you can see how that ties back into the uh, Kunanun. Yes, absolutely. And so he was a deeply magical entity, more so than some of the other gods, because he was sort of a god of a magical place. Mm-hmm. Anun is, is an inherently supernatural place, even more so than any other godly area. And that's... You, you can see that very clearly in the things that he owned. And he has a laundry list of magical artefacts. Right, along with being king of the underworld. And an actual god. Yeah. But one of them's particularly notable. He owned a magical cauldron that is the subject of a poem called The Spoils of Anun, which is another very old Welsh poem. Excellent. It's a massive iron pot that was finished in pearl, and eating from the cauldron can bring the dead back to life. That sounds like a curious thing for a person who rules over the spirits of the dead to have, though I suppose better for him to have it than anyone else. Well, yes, he guarded it very jealously. Yeah. Um, And he would only let anyone eat from it if they bargained, essentially. You had to give him something worth more than your soul. Oh, right. So we're sort of seeing this is like the origin uh, bargain with the Reaper. It's one of many, many yeah. iterations of that idea. Pretty much every culture across the globe has some idea of, oh, if I give you something nice, maybe I won't be dead. Sure. You see that in Norse mythology, you see it in Greek mythology, you see it in Egyptian mythology. That's just a common idea but King Arthur stole it oh (laughs) yeah that's one of the later myths King Arthur managed to sneak in and steal it so Aron used all of his magical items to be an absolutely masterful hunter and horseman the best in the world and while riding his majestic white stallion he was one of only a few people that could keep up with his hunting dogs, the Kunanun. Mm-hmm. Now, Josh. Yeah. Tell me, do you feel threatened by the Kunanun? At what degree do you think you're at risk? Well, um, we're talking about something which is, I guess, a little bit closer proximity. Um, especially really? The, yeah. Um, especially in that it's it can be in multiple places, I suppose, can't it? The, where this underworld? Well, we don't know found. where it is. Yeah, 
It's maybe right next door. Yep. Or just off the coast of Wales. Yep. Or underneath Wales. I mean, any of those things far closer than I'm comfortable with, frankly. Also, the dogs move at the speed of the wind and can fly. I mean, that's what can I do about about that? <laughs> uh, not a great not deal. A, there's is... not a lot to be done, is there? Um, I need to put nets up all over the house or something. I don't think that'll work. No. No. Yeah, I don't think there's anything you can do about it. Otherwise, there probably would have been a story in which a guy put up a net and caught a hellhound. That's true. Because that would be a very impressive thing to do. Yeah. So, so, unfortunately, I think the only defense is either not being a damned soul. Yeah, which, as or, far as I'm aware, I'm not. I don't think anyone knows whether they're damned or not. Well, that's a problem, isn't it? And also, you don't want to be fated to die between Christmas and Twelfth Night. But that's another thing that you can't really do anything about. So, once again, this is all sort of beyond my control. Which, in a way, is quite relaxing. Yes, you don't have to worry about it until some white dogs with red ears turn up. And then I'll be point, worried. Very worried indeed. Yeah. And then dead. <laughs> but then you have to deal with the fact that not only is there an afterlife, it's in Wales. <laughs> I've just I've not actually gone that far. Well, I um, guess it'll make it easier for your family to visit you. Yeah. I was like, oh no, I'm just I'm down the road now. It's like an hour's drive. <laughs> Have you guys got time? Um, yeah. So I hope you enjoyed that little chat, Josh. I did very much. If any of the listeners want to let us know what they think we should talk about, I'm sure there's a million different creatures that we'll get around to discussing at some point. If you want to leave us a review, that's also super, super helpful. Review us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you found this would be really appreciated. I've been Neil Whitehead. I've been Josh Ogle. And this has been a British bestiary. <laughs>